There we go. Now I'm recording. Okay, we're good. Okay, well, uh, before we get started, um, let's go ahead and pray, and uh, then we'll get uh, rolling. How's that? So let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just uh, thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for us uh, to be able to come together as a group and just spend some time uh, in, in community uh, doing uh, what you uh, love to see us do, which is uh, dive into your word, to learn from your word, to let your word uh, speak to our hearts, to feed our souls uh, with uh, your uh, truth and your wisdom and uh, your insight and Father, I pray even as we uh, read your word this uh, evening that you would give us all new revelation, that we would walk out of here just encouraged and uh, built up and excited for what you taught us and what you showed us. I pray even as we dive into your word this evening that you would speak uh, to the seasons of life that we are in right now. I know each one of us are in a different season, and I pray that it would minister to each person in a very unique way. Holy Spirit, we give you freedom to move in this place, uh, to do what only you can do. Uh, we thank you for your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, come on in. Has everyone got a handout? If you didn't, when you walked in, they're at the back. You can raise your hand. I can grab you one if you need one. If not, uh, we'll get started here. So, um, we are in um, Ephesians chapter 2 the second half starting in verse 11 and so uh but uh man um kelly did an amazing job last week just unpacking the first half of ephesians uh, chapter 2 and so we're going to kind of dive into that second half uh, this evening and kind of look at um what uh, it talks to us about and uh like i prayed and i think like you've talked many times um, we're just uh, we're just praying for that apocalypse, which is uh, revelation, new revelation, new insight that we we just discover. It's just so cool that every time you read God's word, something pops out that we go like, okay, I've read that how many times now? And so uh, that's what our, our prayer is for each one of you. So um, this uh, I was going to say this morning, but this evening we're going to have you guys stand if that's okay. I know, I know it's kind of, you've got all of these pieces of paper, but if it's okay, if you want to stand, you have your Bibles. I've asked Angie over here to read uh, the portion of uh, scripture, and so that you guys know, I know we said we were going to, we were going to just read this and just say, this is the word of the Lord, and what, what was the response? Praise be to God. Right? Praise be to God, right? So she's going to read. Let's follow along, and uh, then uh, we will dive into this. Go ahead, Angie. Okay. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when it, in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, Angie. You may be seated. 
Okay, that was a long passage. Man, we're going to be here for about two hours today. No, just kidding. Say that again. Yes, yes, it is going. You're sure you want this record? No. <laughs> There's proof that I said it. This is the bad thing with recordings. It goes all over the world. <laughs> he said it. Um, but, hey, so, um, man, this chair is low. I didn't realize how low this chair was. Oh, well. Um, and wobbly, too. I might not make it. Are you scaring me? Is that something? Okay. Does that make you feel better? Okay, here we go. Now we can, now we can focus on the, not the chair. <laughs> so, um, when we look at this passage, um, there's something that is interesting that we see. We see kind of this whole contrasting that is happening. And uh, Paul's kind of contrasting between two uh, seasons and two people groups. Okay? And when you look at that season, it's like the before Christ and after Christ. Okay? B.C. and A.D. Now, it's not like literally before Christ, meaning like before Jesus but he's talking about just the life that is happening uh, before Christ and the life that starts to happen after Christ. And uh, one of the things, I gave you guys reflective questions, and we will dive into those reflective questions as we kind of go through the passages. But there was one question at the end I said, how does this, how does this apply to our current circumstances? Or how does this apply in our current context? Or how does this apply in our current life, in your life? Okay. So even as we uh, use this passage and we compare two groups between the Gentiles and the Jews, I want you to keep asking in every state, where do I fit in? How does this apply in my life? How does this apply with the people around me? The people I hang out at work, the people I hang out at school, or wherever you, you hang out at, uh, what, how does that apply? Because uh, we are supposed to take scripture, we're supposed to read it, and grasp what it says, and then apply it to our current situation. It is life, it's breathing, uh, it's applicable for today, right? And so I want us to kind of do that as we go through this. So what we see here is we have a BC, and then 80, we have two seasons that Paul is contrasting, and we have two groups. What are the two groups that we see here? Gentiles and Jews, right? Jews and Gentiles. Who was Paul called to uh, take the good news to? Gentiles. Who was, uh, who was called to take the uh, news to uh, the Jews? Peter, Peter. Peter, good job. Look at you guys. You guys are all like acing this. Uh, so... So we see that Paul is called to the Gentiles, and so he, but he's using Jews and Gentiles to contrast here. Um, just before we dive in, uh, one of my questions was, do you know what uh, is the overarching theme or message of this passage of Scripture? Reading through it, what do you guys think was the overarching theme? Somebody say something? Uniting. Uniting them, yes, good, very good. What else, what else, what is, what's something else? What what are some what, are, what what was some themes that you noticed? I just think bringing everyone as one. Yeah, oneness exactly. Oneness uniting. What is something else? Is that another theme that you noticed? It talked about how how it was and then how it is now. Like yes, right. contrasting before and after. Good, good. Anything else you guys noticed in the passage? As you got to the end of the passage. Together we form the temple, right? It, and man, we're going to look at this. This is going to be so cool. I mean, that's just like exciting. That's one of the things that I got excited about as I was diving into this, even though I've read it so many times. It's just the beauty um, of, the, I, I'm jumping ahead. So, um, but anyway, so what we see here is there are two, two overarching themes in this passage. The oneness and peace in Christ. Okay, that's your fill in the blank right there. The oneness and peace that we see that we talked about right here, unity, right? Unity in Christ. That's been the whole theme of, of this, right? Unity in Christ. We find unity in Christ by being in Christ. The second overarching theme is we are the temple of the Lord, okay? Which is holiness in Christ, 
okay? Uh, and that, because we become the temple of the Lord, one, first we are united, then we are made holy, which is, there's another word that we use, what is that called? Anyone know? Sanctification, have you heard that word? Uh, it's purification, right? And, and because Christ lives in us, now he starts to purify us and we're being made whole in Christ. So those were kind of the overarching themes that we see. So let's dive into this. Um, so with the first part of this passage, which is verse 11 through 13, we see a hopelessness and helplessness, okay? Hopelessness and helplessness for, do you guys know which, part, which uh, people group do you think? Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles, right? We see that, and we'll, we'll unpack that. There's this hopelessness and helplessness that we see in this people group of the Gentiles, which were uh, the before Christ. So let's read through that. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles, don't forget. I want to stop there for a quick second. Don't forget. Okay, now in Kelly's passage, he was talking about that, about who they, who they were and what they became, right? But then he's reminding them, hey, 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 hold on, don't forget who you used to be. Okay, what does that mean for us? <laughs> don't forget <laughs> where we used to be. <laughs> not, not that we want to dwell in the past, but just think of God's grace and how he has brought us out. He said, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Are we, gen are we all Gentiles in a way? We're all Gentiles, right? <laughs> so don't forget that we used to be outsiders, okay? We were on the outside of this thing that we're gonna look at, right? And, but then he goes on and says, you were called, <laughs> this is pretty harsh, uncircumcised heathens. <laughs> Try calling somebody a heathen today. <laughs> Uh, right? Paul's like going, man, understand where you were. You were on the outside. You were an uncircumcised heathen. Um, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. And we look at circumcision that was done um, in the body by uh, the hand of, a, of man. So what, what was circumcision? Circumcision was this ritual a purification ritual that the Jews did on, on, a, on their body, but it was on their body, on their physical, uh, a physical uh, purification that was done, right? Not, and so um, if somebody, and I will finish that verse there, uh, wants to turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. We'll look at that here in a second. But he's talking about how you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud. They were very proud of their circumcision, okay? Even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts, okay? So what were these Jews doing? They were, they were practicing rituals, right? Uh, physical rituals on their body. Um, that was a purification process and, and they used that to do what? To create unity or separation? Separation, because what? Circumcision became what? A separation to say, oh, you guys are uncircumcised heathens. We're the cool ones. We've taken care of this ritual, which has made us holy and pure, okay? So how does, just think through that in your life, in our, in our culture today, how that can become a, a stumbling block to attracting people to Christ, right? Now, that was what they did. So, anyone, what, so can somebody read uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11? Yeah, let's go. Nate, my man. And in him you were also circumcised, circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Right. So what we see happening here is, he's talking about how that was done in the flesh, but in Christ... What do we have? In Christ, we have a spiritual purification that is happening in the heart. Okay? It's happening in the heart and not in the flesh. So we see here initially the separation between Jews and Gentiles that he's portraying. Uh, and so we have two people groups, and we see that he's telling them, hey, don't forget where you were, and that uh, this is what the Jews were doing. So let's talk about these two groups real quick, and I want to unpack these two groups. How were the Jews different from other people? 
okay? Because we know that the Jews were different, right? So how were they different? Um, uh, the Jews were the nation of, nation of where? What? Israel, the Israelites, right? They were the, the chosen people, right? The Israelites were called um, in, in the Greek, and I'm going to butcher this, Ho Hagios Leos, okay? Ho Hagios Leos, which is the holy people. <laughs> they were called the holy people. They were the, the Jews. Uh, they only had one king, which was their God. God was their king. Uh, in the, uh, the nations around them had kings, there were democracies and uh, different government systems and rulings, uh, but the Israelites had something known as theocracy. Theocracy was ruling by God, uh, being ruled by God, but in their case, priests that were kind of the, uh, the, the uh, what liaison for God kind of thing ruled or gave direction in, the, in, in their case, okay? To be a Jew was to be a member of a society of God, okay? That means you were in this elite society of godly people. A citizenship that was divine, and we'll look at that here in a little bit. A citizenship that was divine because the citizenship was not here. It was a godly citizenship that they uh, looked at. Uh, they were a chosen people, a covenantal, covenantal people, because God had made a covenant, a pact, with these people. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, it says, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Okay? So they were kind of this elite group of people, um, and they, um, this, did not um, this did not only involve the privilege, but obligation to keep the law okay so there was a covenant there was this law that was given and they had this obligation to hold on to this law and to keep it god did not choose the people of israel out of favoritism or a special honor but for a special responsibility to carry out god's plan to be god's hands and feet or to be instruments of god's hand okay so they were kind of this uh, uh, conduit in a, in a sense to bringing God's plan, okay? And um, so they had God because they knew who God was and they had hope because they always had this hope of that there was this Messiah who was coming to bring freedom to them, okay? So the Israelites always had God and hope, right? Remember we started with the Gentiles were what? Hopeless and helpless. They were on the outside. The Jews had all of these, man, titles, and, and, and man, they were like the, the top dog out there, right? And they had God and they had hope. So now we look at the Gentiles. The Gentiles, from the Jews' standpoint, the Gentiles were created as God's fuel of firewood for hell. Think about that. From the Jews' standpoint, these people are all going to what? Hell. They're not... But that's how they saw them. They're going to hell. They're God's firewood or fuel um, for hell. But how many times as Christians, as followers of Christ, we might look at people <coughs> outside and have that mindset, right? Now, were they correct in their thinking? No. They were just, that's just how they saw it. They were like, they didn't have the commandments. They didn't have the covenants. They're on the outside, so they were the outsiders, right? They didn't have that connection. That, uh, that. And so what we see here is it also caused, now this is kind of crazy, for a Jew, if he stepped into a Gentile's house, he was considered unclean, right? Because he stepped into a, a space that was not considered uh, a godly space, okay? So that, that was kind of crazy. If a Jew got married to a Gentile, the family would kind of do a funeral for that person because they considered them dead. Here's the crazy thing. This still happens around the world. You go to some parts, of, especially in parts of India, there is some caste systems that if you cross caste, you are kicked out of the family. Okay? It is still a thing. It's still happening. Okay? Um, so this was what was happening. Uh, the Jews, for the Jews, there was hope. There was this Messiah who was coming. They were the chosen people. But for the Gentiles, they were hopeless. They were kind of the lost cause. They were out there. 
So we see kind of the Jews and the Gentiles. So with that as a backdrop, here, let's keep going here. Verse 12. In those days, you were living apart. So Paul is talking to the Gentiles again, and he says, in those days, which means before, was it before Christ, right? In those days, before Christ, you were living apart from Christ. You were separated from Christ, okay? In those days, before we knew Christ, we were separated from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, okay? So what do we see here? There is a citizenship that we see, okay? And the people of Israel had the citizenship, okay? And we'll look at that citizenship here in a minute, but we see that Paul saying, hey, the people of Jew, the Jewish people had a citizenship, and you, the Gentiles, were what? Separated from that citizenship. So kind of try to picture this in your head, and uh, what's his name? John, not John Mark, look at me. Uh, Tim Mackey, thank you. Tim Mackey actually kind of portrayed this in his uh, video that he did of the overarching theme of uh, the book. But just think of this, that here are the Jews, and there was this hedge, or uh, uh, this, uh, this kind of uh, uh, wall that was built around them to protect them. There were this special group of people that God gave a covenant and the covenant was to bring protection, to help them stay pure in their body, uh, to worship this one true God. And there was this exclusiveness about the Jews. Okay, so we see the Jews and there is this little wall that's being built around them using this covenant. And that was God's intention to begin with, to protect them from creation and the created things, right? Because God needed to be supreme in their life. But what did the Jews do? The Jews took what God gave them as a covenant for a relationship, for purification, to have this connection with God, and they turned it into nationalism, into this governmental um, rulership and authoritative, I'm gonna take the rule that God gave me to be in relationship with him for my purification, to use that to what? Judge and to create separation. So the law that was given for the good, for relationship, for restoration and, and, and purification and direction on how to live, turned into the separation between Jews and Gentiles. Okay? So we've got to be careful with that in our lives too, right? Sometimes we can take the word of God and then use it as a hammer on someone, right? Is that the goal? No. Use it as a, a stick or a, a, a guide to create what? Separation. God doesn't want that in our lives, does he? And that's what the Jews were doing. The chosen people, the elite groups, the one that had special access to God were creating the separation, okay? Um, and it goes on, the, the second half of uh, verse 12. You did not know the covenant promise. The Gentiles, you guys didn't know about it because you weren't told about it. The Jews knew that. The Torah, okay, which was the command, which uh, makes the, clear, uh, the terms of the covenant clear for the Jews to follow, that was given. Um, do you guys remember where, where did they get, receive those commandments? Where did, Mount Sinai, right? Remember when Moses went up and he got the commandments? And, and so we see that that was given to the Jews. And so what we see here is God has, uh, sorry, you did not know the covenant promise God made to them, to the Jews. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So what, is, what has Paul done in that first few verses? He's kind of contrasted the before Christ and he said, do you guys remember where you were? Don't forget where you were, okay? And for us as followers of Christ, we need to remember where we were at one time before Christ, right? Because then we get to appreciate where we are in Christ. Isn't that? Because sometimes I think we can take where we are in Christ for granted. We live in that for a while and we go, oh yeah, well, only we knew what we 
didn't have, okay? And so we see that, whoa, with the, everything's okay, Jeff, um, <laughs> with, uh, with, this, uh, with the Jews and the Gentiles here. So the, what we see here, once again, is that confirmation of that they didn't have hope and they were helpless, okay? So, question. So we're transitioning to verse 13 here. What do you think, uh, sorry, who do you see as the linchpin in this passage? There's like this change agent that is kind of starting to step into the story. Who do you see as that linchpin in this passage? What do you guys think? Reading through that passage. Who is the change agent? Jesus, Jesus right? Jesus is stepping into... Uh, so the B.C. and the 80, here comes Jesus, and he's stepping in. He is the linchpin, and I put on here the barrier breaker, okay? Because there, were these, there was this barrier between Jews and Gentiles, right? Uh, he was the separation uh, eradicator. He came to bring unity in Christ, unity through Christ, unity in himself, right? So Jesus becomes this linchpin that kind of steps into the story, steps into the picture uh, in this in this place, in this uh, spot. So verse 13, it says, but now, <laughs> so I, I just contrasted everything he said. I contrasted what, remember where you were before Christ, but now, but now there's this excitement. You have been, what? United with Christ Jesus. So first, who do we get united to? Not the Jews, but who do we get united to? Christ Jesus. You've been united to Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, okay? But now you have been brought near to him. And how were we being brought near to him? By the blood of Christ. By what happened on the cross. Okay? Once you were far away from God. Okay? So the Jews, uh, the Gentiles were far away from God. But now you've been brought near to him. And we've been brought near to him by Jesus going to the cross and dying for us. Okay? So I want to show you guys something that I think will kind of carry through the rest of this theme. Uh, this is uh, an image... I'm not going to go into too much detail of the temple courts. Can you guys kind of see this? Is it okay? So here is the temple. So this is uh, the temple, okay? And uh, this is kind of the cool spot. This is where all the holy people hang out, okay? Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. So what we have here is this is the most holy, the high priest, right? Used to go in there after uh, being in the holy place and, and uh, doing, going through the ritualistic processes that they went through. And we're not going to dive into all that. We don't have much time. But uh, this is the holy place right in here where the high priest uh, would go. Um, this here is where the court of the priest, that means if you were a priest, a Levite, you were in this space in the, in the temple. Okay? These are all walls that are built, uh, so you can't see inside. Separation is already starting to happen between the most holy and even the high priest and the priest. Then what you see here is the court where all the Israelites, the Jews, could hang out. Okay, now these Jews, you'll see here in a second, were only men. <laughs> Another separation. So the Jews hang out here, okay? Then you come out, so this is kind of the area, the cool people's area. You come out, guess what? This is where the women hung out. Separation, okay? And I'm not going to go, but like you had the lepers, and then you had wood for the fire, for uh, the altar, and incense, and th things of that. So, so you see the women, you have the Israelites, the Jews, then you have um, the, pr the priest, and then you have the high priest that went into the holy. This the holy of holies, where they would meet uh, the, pres the presence of God was there, right in the heart, right? This were the Gentiles, okay, on the outside. They just hung out on the outside. They didn't have access even into where the women were, any of that, okay? So now, keeping this, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you this real quick. Um, this will give you like a 3D 
So you see this Gentiles on the outside, and then you have the women, the Holy of Holies, uh, the, high, uh, the priest, uh, the Israelites, uh, somewhere in here, it's in there, but you get that. So keeping that as a backdrop, now let's come back and read this passage. Um, verse uh, once you were far away from God okay once you were far away from God because you were on the outside because you had all this separation of walls that were built with the temple okay but now you've been brought near to him Right? Well, what happened when Jesus died on the cross? What happened to the, the Holy of Holies? There was something separating the Holy of Holies. What happened? The veil was torn. The veil was torn from top to bottom. Why? Why was it torn? Because we had access to the presence of God. Before it was only the high priest. Not even the Israelites, the high priest. So Jesus came not just for the Gentiles. He came also for the Jews to give them what? Access to the Father. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him. And we'll see how he talks, talks about bringing the Jews near to God to here in a little bit. But So what do we see here? He brought these people that were the outcast. That were the people that were rejected, that didn't have the that didn't have the Torah, didn't have the covenant, didn't have the exclusive rights. He says, I brought them near by what? The blood of Christ. In Christ. In Christ, we have access to the Father. So what we see here is the walls are being broken down. We see that we have direct access to the Father. You have direct access to the Father. How cool is that? I mean, that should get us excited, right? Guys, that is just a game changer. The presence of God transformed lives. The presence of God transforms lives. And everyone has access. The only reason we don't have access is because we don't step into it. Right? Jesus, that's why Jesus came. He came to give us access to the Father. The relationship aspect, not the rules and the regulations, right? Um, they were brought near the holy place. So here we go, verse 14. I'm going to lose track of time. Oh man, I'm going to be so late. Unity in Christ. Um, so what we jump into verse 14, unity in Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. So what we see here, we have unity in Christ because Christ has stepped into the picture. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people group okay so remember before we are jews gentiles we'll add women what did he do he made all of them one people group to have access to god um, and so we see that he united jews and gentiles into one people group when when did this happen when in his own body on the cross okay he did that by his own body on the cross. His body that was, uh, and he broke, what did he say? His body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He broke down the walls of hostility that separated us on the cross. Okay? So we read that again. For Christ himself brought, us, uh, brought peace to us. He united the Jews and Gentiles into one people when... In his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility and separated us. So let's look at this. How did this, how did he do this? Uh, oh, sorry, how did he do this? Um, by breaking the barriers, right? He brought unity and peace by breaking barriers. I, I hope we get that. How do we bring unity and peace in our communities? Breaking barriers. Not us breaking barriers, we're doing it through Christ. Right? Breaking barriers. Um, abolishing the laws that caused it. Okay, we'll see that in a second. And what caused the barriers in the first place? The laws. Something that was good, that God actually gave them. But you know what? Remember, I don't know if you guys are following along with the message series. Everything that God created was good, right? 
What does man do with it? With the part of the <laughs> Makes it and he makes it bad. The law was good when it came. God didn't make a mistake. But man decided to go about it the wrong way. The Jews became selfish, became arrogant with that, and prideful with that, and he destroyed, right? So we see that. But here's something I want us to catch on here as well. Um, this is just a side note. He broke down the walls of hostility that separated us in his own body, right? Let's read his body, 1 Corinthians, when we do communion, 1 Corinthians 11, 24. And he gave thanks to God for this. And he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What happened there? His body was what? Broken. His body was broken on the cross, okay? So that hostility walls can be broken so that we can all experience what unity and peace okay isaiah said it this way in isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 but he was pierced uh, for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole he was beaten so that we could be whole he was whipped so that we could be healed Healed from what? Separation, lack of peace, hostility, right? Hopelessness, hope that came in. So we see all of that happening here uh, in this piece where Christ goes to the cross to break hostility through his body. He did this by ending the systems of law, which with its commandments and regulations, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new uh, people for the two group from the two groups so what we see here is what did he do he brought peace between the two groups he brought the two groups together into one group but he did that by what did he do abolishing the law okay he ended the systems of the law and its commandments and regulations now here's the thing we're not saying that the law is bad the law is still good Right? What did Jesus say? Those laws, when he asked about the, the, the law, he said, it's good, but I'm giving you a better uh, commandment. What is that? What's the new commandment? You good? And love your neighbor as yourself. But think about that. If you really go down and sit and read the laws, and then you look at loving God and loving others, what did Jesus say? If you do these, this will naturally take care of itself. So if you stop trying to keep the law, and this is something we'll see here in a few weeks to talk about. It's not saying don't do this. We are good at it. Okay, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? But do what? Do this. If you do this, you don't have to say don't do this. Instead of trying to keep the law, it's not God. If you love God, those will automatically fall into place. You won't you won't do all the things that the law talks about, right? And uh, not to do the things that the Lord says not to do. So, uh, so we see that. So he's saying he's abolishing that because what is he bringing? He's bringing a new commandment, which is what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the new thing that Christ is bringing, which is going to bring unity and peace. Make sense? Okay, so we're going to fly through this so that we can be done here on time. Verse 16, together as one body, together as one body, okay, <laughs> Together as one body, now we don't have Jews and Gentiles because we're after Christ, okay? Uh, Christ reconciled both groups to whom? He reconciled both groups to whom? Access to the Father. Isn't that cool? He, we have access. We don't have to go through the high priest now. We have access. Um, by means of his death on the cross um, and, our, and our hostility towards each other, which was in the flesh, has, put, has been put to death, okay? Where did the hostility start? It starts in the flesh because we have this selfish, power, greedy, whatever you want to call it, uh, processes that create separation. And he put all of that to death on the cross, right? He brought this good news of peace, Jesus, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, here we go, and peace to the Jews who were near. 
So what, remember I told you earlier he was bringing everyone near to God? Because even the Jews were not, well, they had to go through who? The priest and the high priest, right? So what is he saying here? He's saying, you know what? He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away on the outside and also to you Jews who were near. And everyone has access as one group to now the Father, okay? In Christ, uh, we, we, we talked about how in this past, uh, Kelly touched on this, God, uh, Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? There's a, the triune God is working to bring unity and peace in Christ. And we'll see that here as we wrap this up. Um, now, all, all of us can come to the Father. Here we go. All of us can come to the Father. That means you, me, we all can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. Isn't that cool? Man, Paul's like this genius when he writes, right? He's like, he's connecting all these dots and he's saying, guys, look at this. We're all different ethnicities and different people groups and different parts of the world, different lifestyles, different uh, ways of living, and we eat different kinds of food and we do all of this thing. But in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have access to the Father. What did he do? He just said, the whole world is one in Christ. Now, we don't act that way, okay? We still have border wars and all kinds of stuff. We'll talk, touch on that in a second. But So, real quickly, question. What role does Christ play? That was one of your questions. What role does Christ play in this whole process? I've kind of put some notations on that passage to help you guys find those. But he brought peace, one, right? He brought peace. Second, he made one new people. If you look at the passage, you'll see those. What did he do? He brought peace. He made, because he brought peace, he made one new people. He reconciled both groups to God, okay, three. And he gave both groups access to the Father. That was his mission. That was why he came. That's what he accomplished on the cross. Okay? So he brought peace. Let's unpack that real quick. Think about this real quick. You have two people, two people that hate each other. They're, they're, they're constantly in battle. They go to the courthouse. What does the judge do? He says, okay, you did this, you did this. I'm going to write a document. I'm going to help you guys resolve this. Did that? anything or did that just create a contract to help them live together? Okay. But the scenario is you're two different people that are fighting. You have a third person who loves both the people. And I'll just use the two of you. So I'm coming and I love both of you and I'm saying, hey, come here, let's sit down, let's sit down. Let's talk through this, okay? Hey, what's going on here? What's going on here? Okay, guys, you guys see this, you're not seeing this. Here, let's, because he what? He loves both people, right? And what does he do? Does he bring healing here? It's not contractual, it's healing, okay? So what does Christ do in the cross? He brings healing, he brings peace, not through a contract, the old covenant, but through what? Love God and love others, okay? So there is a peace, there is, uh, there, he brings peace through the cross, through his body that was broken, through the blood, through, there is peace that has been brought to two people groups, and we, and that is not just for Jews and Gentiles, that's for anyone. He's bringing peace and reconciliation to those two separated groups. He made one new people. Okay, this is important to understand. Just because it says he made one new people, he's not making all the Gentiles Jews. He's not making all the Jews Gentiles. The Gentiles are still Gentiles. The Jews are still Jews. They still have their lifestyles. They have their ways. Uh, like we have African Christians, Indian Christians, uh, uh, Hispanic Christians, American Christians, uh, Australian Christians. They are all, they still speak Australian. They speak, still speak Spanish. They still eat burritos and they still eat kangaroos. And they, <laughs> uh, snakes. Um, but uh, you see you know what I mean? They all, they all, they all, God created them unique, right? He's not trying to uh, uh, bleach them all into one. No, no, no. 
there's this beauty that is starting to the melt. Have you heard the melting pot in the U.S.? That's happening in the heavenly realms, a melting pot through Christ. So he's just saying, you know what? I'm making a one new group of bringing all these people together, but they're still the same people, but they're united in what? One through Christ. New kingdom, right? Just imagine what heaven would look like. Man, I just listened to this song that uh, Maverick City did of uh, Yeshua, and man, they sang it in different languages. It was just chilling. Imagine heaven where everyone is singing in their own dialect and it's like this beautiful choir and the harmony and it's like, that is what he's talking about here. And that can happen, we just choose not to. He reconciled both groups to who? God. So he brings two people that are estranged or not seeing eye to eye. He brings them together first to God as a friend. And if you are a friend to God, what should be a friend to each other? If we can't do that, then the question is, are we truly a friend to God? Does that make sense? We're struggling to do this here, right? And I know we, we have our struggles, and it happens, it's natural, but we've got to work towards what? Unity, right? And he gave both groups access to the Father. He gave access to the Father. So, inclusiveness versus exclusiveness. I want to touch on that real quick. The walls of hostility, remember the walls of hostility that he broke down, the walls of hostility, um, inclusiveness versus exclusive. What did we have be before Christ? BC, what did we have? Inclusiveness or exclusiveness? Exclusiveness. What did we have after Christ? Inclusiveness. Inclusiveness, right? Now, this was not just something that we saw with the Jews. This was a common practice all over the world. This was a practice that was seen in the, in the ancient cultures. Jesus came to abolish barriers, to eradicate uh, exclu uh, uh, exclusiveness. He came for that, okay? What does that mean for us today? Okay? I don't want to step on any... Uh, president's agenda, but inclusiveness, not exclusiveness, okay? Um, but, it, it's, but that's a practice that we see. I saw this uh, uh, Taylor Father Taylor Boston, he said it this way, there is just one, uh, there is just enough room in the world for all the people in it, but there is no room for fences which separates them. Okay? There's just enough room for everyone to be in one place, but there's no room for fences to separate them. Okay, think about that. Okay? Do we put up fences? Do we separate people? Do we push people away because of our belief system, because of our, our laws, our regulations, our cultures? Uh, unity in Christ, right? It was another thing that I came across. Uh, Sir Philip Gibbs in the Cross of Peace wrote, he said it this way, the problem of fences um, has grown to be one of the most acute that the world must face. Today, there are all sorts of zigzags and crisscrossing separating fences running through the races and people of the world. Modern progress has made the world a neighborhood. God has given us the task of making it a brotherhood. Okay, a brotherhood. In these days of dividing, uh, dividing walls of race and class and creed, we must shake uh, the earth anew with the message of the all-inclusive Christ in whom uh, there is no barriers, but all are one. The ancient world had its barriers. So too has our modern world. In a, any Christless society, there can be nothing but middle walls of partition. Okay? But in Christ, there is inclusivity. In Christ, we are one. Okay? In Christ. So to wrap all this up at the end, this gets so exciting. So now think of all of this. Different people groups, different cultures, people that believe different systems. Here comes Christ. 
He comes and what does he do? What does he do? He brings peace and he brings unity. He brings all of these people that are totally different, not to make them one kind of people that think the same way, but in Christ to create something beautiful. What does he create? Verse 19, a family and dwelling place for God. Think about this. Heaven on earth, what does that mean? <laughs> where, where, where is heaven? Heaven is where the presence of God is. So, just think of that. Presence of God is. Heaven is where the presence of God is. Okay. So with that in mind, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer used to be strangers and foreigners. Now you're not a stranger or a foreigner. You Gentiles, we're taking all the walls off, okay? You're not on the outside. You're not on the outside of the wall, okay? We don't have walls that we're building. Okay, we're taking them down, so they're all coming in, right? You are citizens, along citizens, okay? That's important. Citizen of not this earth. <laughs> Citizen of heaven. And I, I may not have time to unpack this, but Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, you guys can read that at home. Uh, citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family, okay? Who was God's family before this, before Christ? Jews. Jews were God's family, chosen people. Well, what is Paul saying? No more. <laughs> Who are God's chosen family? Everyone in Christ. Because Christ came to eradicate the law that created separation and brought us together, right? Together, we are his house. Together, unity, we are his house. Whose house? God's house, okay? So think about this. So if gives, we are, we are, that means our bodies, our, our, our body is God's house, individually and corporate, okay? Um, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So where was the foundation? The apostles and the prophets, okay? But then it goes on to say, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. So I looked that up. Cornerstone, uh, the definition is the first stone set in a construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone. Does that sound like maybe truth? Direction? Alignment? Foundationally solid? Okay. Christ is our cornerstone. He's the direction. He's, he's, he's the one that we all take our uh, direction from. Okay. Yes, the apostles and... Uh, and um, Prophets are the, the foundation, but Christ being the cornerstone. We are carefully joined together. Think of that. We are carefully joined together in Him, in Christ. Okay? Or in this case, I might even go on to say Christ went to heaven, so through the Holy Spirit. We are carefully joined together through the Holy Spirit, uh, becoming what? What are we becoming? A holy temple of the Lord. Becoming. That doesn't mean it happens one day. That means it's a continuation. This is the whole sanctification. Becoming like Christ. Moving closer and closer to Christ. We will never be that. So we see him face to face. But it's a progression of purification that is happening. Because the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. That is working this plan of God. A restoration plan. A renewing plan. A changing and a newness. We're, we're killing the old self. The flesh. And we're starting to walk in stride with the Spirit. Okay, So we see this, um, this beautiful picture of a, a holy temple for the Lord. Remember the holy temple? The holy of holies? The high priest that could go? The only person that had access? Guess what? This has become your body. I hope that, I hope that gives you some goosebumps. And you start to start to walk with a little bit more whoa, what's happening in my body? No, I'm not saying that to kind of scare you, but think about that. What's happening in your body? What do we let in? How do we live? What do we look at? How do we act with each other? The holy temple of the Lord, right? Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. 
you're all part of the family. God lives by His Spirit. So, as I was processing through this one day, I was at Signet, and I was sitting across this wall, and I know I have weird stuff that I see, but I saw this image. And this was <laughs> an image of a brick wall, okay? But what it reminded me of is human beings. Okay, each one of this is a person, a Jew, a Gentile, different race, different culture, different ethnicity. But we've also had our bruises and bangs in life, right? <laughs> we've, we've done our thing. <laughs> we've been places, we've, before Christ, okay? This was all pretty and nice when it was first created, okay? But God takes all of the people that are in Christ and he's starting to do a work and with the Holy Spirit, he's joining us together to be a holy temple, okay, that is built on a strong foundation. And there is newness and there's beauty and there is cre creation that's starting to form again, okay? And this is what he's wanting to do. This is the church. This is us as individuals coming together, united. And the key is that we keep adding bricks to this. So I want to end with this real quick. I came across this. Um, it's written by Rita Snorton. I don't even know who she is, but it was a great story, so I thought I'll end with this. It tells the story of a war. In France, some soldiers with their uh, sergeants brought the body of a dead comrade to the French cemetery to have him buried. The priest told them gently that he was uh, bound to ask their comrade uh, sorry, ask if their comrade had been uh, a baptized adherent of the Roman Catholic Church. They said that they, they did not know. The priest said that he was very sorry, but in that case he could not permit burial in their courtyard. So the soldiers took their comrade sadly and buried him just outside the fence. The next day they came back to see that the grave was all right and all their... Uh, uh, it was all right, and to their uh, astonishment, could not find it. Uh, search as they might, they couldn't find no trace of freshly dug soil. As they were about to leave, um, the priest came up. He told them that his heart had been troubled because of his refusal to allow their dead comrade to be buried in the courtyard. So early in the morning, he had risen from his bed and with his own hands had moved the fence to include the body of the soldier who had died from France. We need to be fence movers. We need to be people that destroy barriers and include people into the hope that we have in Christ, right? Because that's, that's a beautiful hope that we have. So I hope that was uh, encouraging to you and uh, help, help, help give you some new insight and new wisdom. And uh, well, you guys have questions at the end there for Kelly for next week. Um, but real quick, any questions that you guys have? Maybe a few minutes here. Any questions that maybe popped up as we were talking that wasn't clear that you're like, man, I'm still not sure about this. Any new insight that maybe, as I was sharing, it popped in your head and you're like, man, I really want to share this. Any new insight that you kind of... That's a. I have to look that up. I'm not positive. Kelly, do you have any? Well, I would think that. I would think that for the Jews who don't become Christians, they still, still, see that still that. you know, I'm not sure how they did it then. That's a good question. You know what? I've never thought of that. But one of the things I was thinking of with the veil, of course, this is just so incredible. The fact that what Jesus did, and it tore from the top to the bottom, which was by God's hand. But there's a veil, and so what? The, I mean, the first week that we 
and they even tied a rope around his waist in case he died from the presence of God, and that way they could pull him out from under the veil so that they wouldn't get killed by the presence, because the presence was so powerful. And through Christ, we get it 24-7 whenever we want it. We get to go into the Holy of Holies. He's right there waiting on us. Like, that's just pretty mind-blowing. What? Yes, no. Access to Christ, the power of Christ, right? He doesn't see us and he sees Christ in us. Good stuff. Well, thank you guys. Well, let's pray before we get out of here. Let's do that. Kelly, do you want to pray for us before we leave? Um, sure. <laughs> Dear God, thank you so much for um, your word that continues to amaze and astound and teach and guide and, and lead us forward. It is truly sharper. It is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So I pray that it, your word here in Ephesians and your message of unity and peace under Christ will just uh, pierce us to our very Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.